Amen. Well, you're going to get a little preview of what I'm going to be sharing for part of the message tomorrow, but um, as I was looking at in, in 1 Thessalonians, the verse we'll be looking at this next week is verse 18, be thankful in everything. And I thought, how can we even do this? You know, how can we be joyful? How can we be always praying? And, and um, this psalm basically speaks to that. And it, it's really, um, you know, the subheading in your, in your Bible in Psalm 93, if you turn there, is the Lord reigns. And so I just want to read it for us and give you a little background, and then we'll go through this uh, study together for about a half hour. The Lord reigns, verse 1, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old, and you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Verse 4, mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Just in case you didn't get it. He says that three <laughs> times there. Verse 5, your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord forevermore and you know when we come to this this psalm if you had to summarize this psalm it basically talks about the sovereignty of god that's that's the doctrine that he's focusing in on here it's uh, i think it was rc Sproul that calls the, the sovereignty of god god's favorite god's favorite doctrine <laughs> and if you were god it would be your favorite doctrine too you know, uh, that means you're in charge, large and in charge. And, you know, what you uh, say goes. And, and I think in the midst of this recent election and everything, I think it was a gut punch for a lot of conservatives. But at the same time, we have to focus on the sovereignty of God in this. Um, we have to really believe that God does what He pleases. He does as He pleases. Um, he does it where He pleases. He does it when He pleases. How He pleases. Uh, with whom He pleases. God is not just a, a mere um, man. He's God. And so when you live in the full reality of what it means to be God, you have to focus on his sovereignty. Because to be honest, I mean, the sovereignty of God is really the, the, the capstone of our faith. If you don't believe God is sovereign, then God's not God, right? And so God reigns, this psalm says, and uh, if God does not reign, then God is not God. Because that's what God does. He reigns. He rules, he administers, he reigns every day, all day, forever, from eternity past to eternity future. Nothing is ever out of his control. God has his master plan, his master purpose that overrides everything, and he will carry it out, he will fulfill it. Nothing will come against him that he can't overcome. And we understand that God is causing all these things, we'll look at this verse in a second, but God is causing all these things to work together for good 
for his glory and for our good. And that's, that's the, given the context of this psalm, that's exactly the message that Israel, ancient Israel, needed to hear at this time. Because you have to remember, they've been in Babylon for 70 years. They've been held captive in, by this pagan nation, suffering affliction, suffering all this stuff. And from their human perspective, it seemed that uh, everything was what? Not in control, but out of control, right? They looked around and they thought, oh, where is God in all this, right? Uh, we can have that tendency to do the same thing today. Because from their human perspective, it seemed that everything was out of control. And you say, well, why is that? Because Jerusalem was ransacked. All the people of God, they were taken captive. And for seven long decades, not a year, not a month, seven long decades, 70 years, they were held in what you could say is not a good place. <laughs> it wasn't fun for them. And now, because God was gracious to them, they returned to the promised land under Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah. Uh, they rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt the wall. They're, they're at this point, they're going into this rebuilt temple and within the, the safety to worship God, to sing praises to their God. That's where they're, they're headed. And this psalm is literally what they're singing. And if you've studied the psalms, you know the psalms are broken up into sections or books, five books. This is book four, which covers Psalm 90 through 106. And it, it was at this time that the people went into the temple of God to begin not to whine and complain, why do you leave us there for 70 years, but to sing Psalm 93 as a reminder to them that even though the affairs of their world all around them seem to be mixed up and turned upside down and in dismay, whatever you might call it, over all of it, God reigns. It's the rule of God that's important. And that's really no different from us today. When you look at what's going on in the world, we need to be reminded constantly that God rules in his sovereignty. That's the only way we can be thankful, to, frankly. Um, this is considered a Christian worldview, right? That God is in control. A secular worldview would say there is no God. Um, man is in control. Well, we know that's not true because the Bible says so. And so we, ha we hold this Christian worldview that the sovereignty of God is real that we see it all around us. And that's the, the lens, you might call it, that you look at life through. If you don't, then your view of life is going to be skewed and you're going to have issues with your faith. right? Because God's going to tell you to do certain things sometimes that just are not in line with what your human nature wants you to do in any given situation. Like rejoice always. Like pray for everything. Uh, like give thanks in all things. So this is really the, you could call it the anchor of our souls. Um, it, it, our, our lives as Christians rest squarely on this foundation of truth that we're going to look at. And the Lord reigns. And so you could break this section up basically into this psalm up into three sections. Verses 1 and 2, the sovereign rule or reign of God, and then verses 3 and 4, the sinful rebellion against God, which you've had from the very beginning, and then thirdly, the sure revelation of God in verse 5. And so, if you look at the sovereign reign of God, this is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning, 
you look first of all that God reigns exclusively. Notice what it says. It says the Lord. It doesn't say Satan. It doesn't say humans. It doesn't say man. It doesn't say human rulers. It doesn't say your circumstances. It says what? The Lord. He's the one that reigns. Him exclusively. He's the only one. Um, it doesn't say the Lord and man reign. It doesn't say the Lord and Satan reign. See, this is where our theology really plays into our worldview. There's a lot of Christians who believe there's this cosmic tug of war, you know, spiritual warfare, and, and this cosmic tug of war going on between Satan and God. No, God is supreme. God is sovereignly ruling and reigning from on high. Um, there's no such thing as luck in our lives. If we're going to have a proper worldview, which is Christian, there's no bad luck, there's no good luck. You know, that's all based on pagan myths, uh, religious superstitions. There's not even good karma, bad karma. You know, we've kind of grown to accept that. Well, you know, good karma, bad karma, and people, well, what you sow, that's what you, you know, that's just how they rationalize that. That doesn't mean the same thing at all. There's not, not even such things as accidents in our lives as believers. There's only God who reigns over all because he reigns exclusively. The Lord, the only one who reigns. God and God alone. The current administration in D.C. is not reigning. The other world leaders throughout the world, they're not reigning, even though they like to think they are. This world is not being run by a democracy. You know, this last election, oh, we've got to protect democracy. Well, you know what? The, the world is being run by a theocracy, to be very honest, if you believe Scripture. And that's the reign of God alone. And so this psalm begins with this rather startling, uh, and I'm sure it was for, for those people too, declaration, um, this statement of fact, it's indicative, this is a statement of fact, it's just saying they, this is the way it is, deal with it. it. Literally, this says, Yahweh has assumed his kingship. Yahweh is king, that's literally what it says in the Hebrew. And everyone and anyone else is under his rule. And if they're in charge of anything, it's only because he's what, granted it to them for a period of time. And so we have to remind ourselves of this, that, that first of all, God reigns exclusively. He's not in competition with anyone. But then secondly, focus on the word reigns, because it says the Lord reigns and I think it, it indicates that it, he reigns constantly, constantly. And this is a verb tense. It, it, it states continuity, continuous reign, never-ending reign, never-ceasing rule over all. It's, a, it's, a, it's not up for debate. It's a fixed reality. Nothing can change that. Nothing. You know, you hear a lot of talk about well, you know, if we would just get back to this and, you know, as a nation and, well, God is over all that. You know, Satan isn't winning. That's a lie. He's already lost. 
And when we begin to believe his lie that he is winning, we get sidetracked off of what really matters. And so the Lord reigns constantly. Nothing changes this fact. It doesn't say here that the Lord was reigning. <laughs> it doesn't say that. Well, he was reigning before he went to Babylon, but then he lost control. And then, No, it says the Lord reigns. It doesn't say he will be reigning in the future at the second coming. I mean, even as Bible-believing Christians, sometimes our mind goes there, right? I can't wait for the second coming. Then Jesus is going to be in charge. Jesus is already in charge, folks. <laughs> He's already in charge. And, and we got to stop thinking that way. The Lord reigns. He reigns day and night. He reigns over the young and the old. He reigns. It's a continual truth. When we're having good days, when we're having bad days, when we're on the mountaintop, when we're in the valley, when we're going through adversity, when we're going through prosperity, dealing with life, dealing with death, the Lord reigns constantly. And then thirdly, the, 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 the activeness of this verb, reigns, says just that. The Lord reigns actively. You know, there, there was a time in our country, and there still is, people who call themselves deists. You know, they would say, well, yeah, I, I believe in God. I believe God created everything. I just don't believe God's involved or actively involved in anything. He created everything, and then he just kind of took a break and sat back and said, okay, do whatever you want. I'm just going to sit here on the sidelines and watch you play. No. You know, kind of like he wound up the proverbial clock and now he just sits by as it runs down. That's not what this language indicates. It indicates that the Lord reigns actively. Look over at, at Ephesians. What's there in your notes? You don't have to. Ephesians 1, verse 11. Somebody read that for us. Ephesians 1, verse 11. Okay, notice it says, according to the purpose of him who works all things continuously. All things according to the counsel of his will. There's nothing that's not working toward the counsel of God's will in our lives. And we know Romans 8.28, somebody read that scripture. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Okay. God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. He's working. God is actively governing. He's actively administering. He's actually actively presiding over, declaring, decreeing, steering, overruling every moment of every day. I don't know about you, but that helps me sleep at night. <laughs> Not only does God reign exclusively and constantly and actively, but he, he reigns comprehensively. And this is what the language indicates, that there's no, there's no boundaries here on his rulership, on the Lord's reign. Um, there's no jurisdiction. He doesn't say, say well, I'll, I'll reign here, but I'm not going to reign there. See, that's, that's a truth that really the church has turned into a convenient truth for those Christians who don't want to yield to the Lordship of Christ and yet still call themselves Christians. Well, he's a Christian, but you know, he's just not. Jesus isn't Lord of his life right now. Well, no. If Jesus isn't Lord of your life, you're not a Christian. I'm sorry. 
the Lord reigns over all. No boundaries, no jurisdictions. I remember when I was working with the DA's office down in Riverside County, we had several, um, if you're familiar with the Coachella Valley, it's surrounded by certain tribal lands from the American Indians. And on these lands, they've established casinos. And because of their sovereign nation status, okay, they would have their own police, their own rule of law, everything. As a matter of fact, when I first started there, they said, yeah, if you're ever going to gamble, don't go to an Indian casino, casino wherever they're at, because they're not governed by, like, like Reno is or Las Vegas is. There's no rules. They can take all your money, and you can't do anything. So they're, not, they're under a different regulation than you know, the, the government regulation that operates the other casinos. Not that I'm encouraging you to go to Las Vegas. I'm just saying that's, that's one of the craziest places to gamble is in an Indian casino because their whole goal is to make money. And it is that way in Las Vegas, too, but they have certain regulations and stipulations they have to. There they don't. As a matter of fact, they have their own police force. And when I was with the DA's office, part of our investigation was into their police force because what they would do, if you know anything about the Coachella Valley, I-10 goes right through Palm Springs, basically. And there was a couple of casino, casinos on the way out of Indio, and the next town is basically Blythe, so it's all desert. But going out of Indio, you have several Indian casinos there, and these police forces would leave the reservation where their sovereign nation status was in their police vehicles with their light bars on top, and they would go out and they sit on the on-ramp I-10. They had no radar, they had nothing. And they would see a car and they would pull the car over. Well, if you didn't know, you would say, okay, I, I, got, I got a speeding ticket. And they were out there pulling cars over left and right, issuing people's tickets, and most of them got paid because, you know, if you're just traveling through, you don't know what's going on. So, hey, send your money here and, you know. So they were making a ton of money off this, and it was illegal what they were doing. And so when the DA investigated this, they actually came up with a rule. If your policemen are going to leave the sovereign nation, they have to take their light bars off their car. They have to take any markings off their car. They're not allowed to have a weapon. I mean, very strict because it prevented them from doing these things, okay? In other words, and, and, and a lot of times when we would go on to the reservation, I would go on there to serve a subpoena or something, you know, I would usually be met by one of these officers, and they say, you have no jurisdiction here. And I'd have to correct them and say, well, you know what? We're investigating a murder thing, whatever it is. Yes, I do, and <laughs> here's your, your thing, see you later. You know, but you didn't spend a lot of time there because you weren't really welcome. They, they, they thought your jurisdiction stopped, but it really didn't. The Lord has no jurisdictional boundaries where his sovereignty stops. Um, he reigns over all nations, all nature, all circumstances, all events. He, re he reigns over good people. He reigns over bad people, reprobates. He reigns over human minds, human hearts, human wills. There's not a square inch in the universe where God does not currently and will always reign. R.C. Sproul said this, quote, he said, no maverick molecules in the universe. There are no maverick molecules in the universe. Everything exists to carry out the purpose and plan of God. That's a very strong statement, but it's true. Because either God rules and reigns over everything, or he doesn't rule at all. And Proverbs speaks of this. I wrote down some verses there. Um, somebody can read Proverbs 21, 
1. Even the kings, the rulers of this world, are in the hand of the Lord. He, 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 he carries out his will through them. Proverbs 16.33. We think of this as, as, as luck, right? But what does it say there? The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Right. So if you were to roll some dice and throw them on a table, we think, oh, I got lucky. No, you didn't. I mean, this is how far his, his, how comprehensive his rulership is. Even in Matthew 10, 29, it tells us that even if one of these sparrows falls to the ground, it doesn't happen out of the purview of God. I mean, think about that. That is an incredible statement. And he says, even the hairs on your head are numbered, or the lack thereof. You know, it's, it's so... I mean, he, 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 he rules and reigns. He knows all this stuff. You know, you've heard the, heard the saying so many times we hear it, you know, especially when legislation goes through, right? We, we hear people, politicians even say this, well, the devil's in the details. You ever hear that? No, that's not true. God is in the details. God is in the details of everything. That's his comprehensive nature. He also reigns majestically. Look at what it says there. It says, at the end of verse 1, he is robed in majesty. He is enrobed in majesty. He, he's pictured as a king who's robed. He's put on his, uh, his, his attire as a king. He's ready. He's not in bed. He's not sleeping like, oh, what do you want? No, he, he's not on vacation. He doesn't have to go change before he helps you. He's, he's attired with what a king would wear because he's on duty. He's ready to deal with anything in this universe. He's fully dressed. He's, he's ready to govern. And it says that he does so with majesty. That word majesty, somebody who's majestic, something that's majestic, you know, you, you don't go and look at the Grand Canyon and, and just go, eh, whatever. No, you stand there and go, whoa! Or you don't drive up to Yosemite Valley and, and look at a, you know, a place where you can see the whole valley and go, well, no, it's, it's majestic, right? It, it takes your breath away sometimes. This isn't a trivial matter with God. It's not, it's not, it's not something that is just, you know, well, I'll deal with it when I want to. No. no, this is a very big deal. This is the normal way that God does things, majestically. He can't help but do it majestically because that's who he is. He does it with regal authority, you could say. He does it with majesty, which, which really we can understand because he is the what? The king of kings, the lord of lords. Of course he's going to do that. Well, not only does he rule exclusively, constantly, actively, comprehensively, majestically, but I like this, the Lord reigns powerfully. It says he's robed and he has put on what? Strength, right? As his belt. He's put on strength as his belt. Um, there's, there's no one, there's no thing that can oppose him at all, ever, that would prevent his plan and his purposes. 
if you doubt me, ask Satan. I mean, he definitely opposed him a couple times, right? It didn't work out too well for him. And it's not going to work out well for him in the end either. It doesn't say that, you know, uh, the Lord reigns with a lot of power or some power or most power or most of the time he's powerful. No. It, it, it refers to him as what? The Almighty. Three times, right? We read it. The Mighty. Almighty. In other words, he has all power. He has, he, there, there's nothing that can come against him. There's no power outside of him. Only that which he, that, that finite power that he delegates to us to carry out his purpose and his plan here on earth. And so the Lord reigns powerfully. That should give us a spring in our step. Knowing that all those who come against him are not going to win. They're not going to win. But then, next to the last year, it says the Lord reigns immutably. means unchangeably. It says there, yes, the world is established. It's a fact. It's done. And what's it say? It shall never be moved. And you could put in parentheses, unless God allows it to be moved. <laughs> because he's the one that's over it. It's God who established the mountains. It's God who established the valleys. It's God who established the oceans and the boundaries and the coastlines. It's God who keeps the globe on its axis, spinning in, in the proper distance from the sun so we all don't burn up. It's God who controls the climate, the gravity, everything that we deal with in life. And it says it shall never be moved, ever, because he's ruling over it. In spite of what the tree huggers say, it doesn't really matter what they say. God's not concerned with what they say. As a matter of fact, the word of God says eventually he's going to burn it all up anyway. He created it. It's like, you know, you hear the mother say, you know, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. You know, basically that's what God's going to do. He's like, hey, I created this world, and if I want there to be rain, there will be rain. If I want there to be drought, there will be drought. If I want you to have oxygen to breathe, you'll have oxygen to breathe. Whether you drive an electric vehicle or a gas car, it's really not going to make any difference at all, period. Because it says the world is established, it shall never be moved outside of his purview. And you can see where the, where the culture's gone, right? What have they done with this sovereign God? They've sought to kick him out. We're just not going to acknowledge that he exists. Well, the last point here clears that up. The Lord reigns eternally. He says there in Psalm 93, Your throne is established from when? Of old. You are from everlasting. You know, God is not some guy that just showed up yesterday for the job. He's not a new hire. You know, we've all worked in jobs where we've had a new hire, and you've got to take time, patient, and, you know, okay, well, eventually, hopefully, it'll catch on. No, God, God created everything we see. He's the one in charge over everything before the foundation of the world. In eternity past, in an eternity future, this is the, the, the Christian worldview that we should have. This is the lens that we see our world through, we see all of life through, that God reigns eternally. God hasn't lost control of anything. 
and, and we think somehow that if we can just get more people to vote Republican, well, that's going to change everything. No, because we've seen how even within the conservative party, right, it, there's rot. Because we can't look to that as an answer to our problems. We have to look to God. This is what drives us to serve the almighty God. I mean, if I didn't think God was going to win, I wouldn't do what I do, frankly. I, I would think that would be a bait and switch. You know, you, you'd be leading people down the wrong path. Or if, if God didn't, if God existed, but he didn't rule and reign, I mean, what would be the use? You're, you're fighting a losing battle. But the Bible tells us that's not, that's not true. The Bible says you've already won. You're on the winning team. Why don't you start acting like it? You know, and that's the problem today, even within the church, we have believers and we have men that will not stand up for what God says we should be standing up for. Well, you don't understand, at my job, I could get fired. You don't think God's in control of that? You know, someone was sharing me, with me this morning that uh, he's sharing a, a, a certain study at his workplace and he wants to put posters on, uh, up around the, the uh the place that he's working at. And I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. But that's where we need to be. We need to be trying that. You know, it's a lot easier to, you know, I mean, you have to ask sometimes for permission, but sometimes it's easier to say I'm sorry than ask for permission, but that's, that's a whole other story. But we have to realize that God is in control, right? He is the one that's over all of this. Well, the second point here quickly is the sinful rebellion the sinful rebellion against god it says there your throne is established from of old you are from everlasting mightier than the thunders of mighty of many waters mightier than the waves of the sea the lord is high and uh, he is mighty okay and notice he says that several times but this idea here is is basically that all this stuff is going to come against the lord and he's over it all. He's stronger than the thunder of many waters. He's stronger than the waves of the sea. And sometimes the waves of the sea can be pretty strong, right? I mean, just look at what's going on in Florida with the hurricane and stuff like that. You know, you go down there and you see these multi-million dollar homes where their pool, edgeless pool right on the coast was, and it's hanging by a thread ready to fall into the ocean. You can go over here to uh, Half Moon Bay and go up behind the airport and look down on the beach and see big slabs of concrete. Why? Because houses once stood there and they washed over the edge because the, the water just eroded, eroded, eroded. And over a period of many years, those houses fell into the ocean. This is the idea. It's nonstop. It's not like, oh, there's going to be some pushback. No, it's continuous pushback. And it's been that way from the very beginning. And so there's always been this rebellion against the Lord. Look back at, at, at Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Because this kind of covers this. And, you know, I, just so you know, I mean, sometimes we think the Psalms are in our Bibles how they were written. Like David, you know, he wrote Psalm 1, then he wrote Psalm 2. That's not true. Okay? Um, you know, it, it's important that we understand that. Basically, Psalm 90, just so you understand, is the first Psalm that was ever written. And Psalm 126 is the last Psalm that was ever written. They're arranged in a, in a way for us from the original text that kind of makes it flow a little better for us. So Psalm 2 wasn't the second one. 
okay? But look at Psalm 2, just so you understand that. Psalm 2, he says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. How do they do? Against the Lord and against his anointed. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised that we're on the, the, the opposing side here of righteousness. When we stand up for righteousness, we shouldn't be opposed that, well, I can't believe these people came against me. And all I said was, yeah, they do. Because they don't want anything to do with God. They, they went against his anointing. And look at what they say in verse 3. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. In other words, we don't want having to do with your God. He who sits in the heavens, it says, laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. This isn't a laughter of um, comedy. Okay. This is a laughter that says, really? You know, this is kind of like, you know, when your little two-year-old comes up and starts punching you in the leg because he's throwing a temper tantrum trying to tackle you or whatever, and, he, you know, and, you're, and you're just standing there like, really? I mean, come on, you know, you're going to get a spanking for this. What are you doing? You know, just stop. That's, that's the kind of laugh. The Lord holds them in derision. It says, then, then he will speak to them in his wrath. And he's going to terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Guess what? It doesn't matter whether they outlaw God, whether they outlaw prayer, whether it doesn't matter what they do. They're not going to overrule, okay, as much as they want to rebel against God, they're not going to change anything because God is sovereign. And then lastly here, the sure revelation of his word, it just says here, he just kind of sums it up. He says, your decrees are very trustworthy. You know, it's one thing when you know something is for sure. You know, if someone asks you a question and, and say you're, you're a cook and somebody asks you how, do you, how do you make crust? That's a pretty basic thing. Okay, you, you, you take some, uh, depending on what kind of crust, eggs, flour, right? You mix it together. I mean, that's kind of how you make crust. Any baker would be able to tell you that. But if you maybe said some fancy Italian dish or French dish that they never cooked before, they may not give a sure answer because they're not familiar with the recipe or whatever it might be. And see, it, it doesn't mean that when we, when we answer for God, our answer should be sure. It should be, why? Because it's based on his decrees, which are what? Trustworthy. He's not lying to us. God's not telling us anything in his word that's a lie or that leads us astray. He's saying, no, my, my word is sure. My word is the foundation of everything you believe. So why are we so afraid to inject this truth, his decrees that are very trustworthy into our society? Because of fear. We're a fear, fearful generation, what people would think. What, you know, wow, this is not politically correct. Well, I mean, who are you trying to please? I mean, who's in charge politically? It's not the politicians. If you, if you think that, you're, you're way off base. It's God. And so he says, your decrees are very trustworthy. Your holiness befits your house, O Lord, for how long? Forevermore. This never changes. 
This truth never changes. God has been sovereign. He is sovereign. He will be sovereign for all of eternity. And as men, Christian men, who are on the right page, we're on the right side, I mean, we really need to be focused, I think, more on asking this sovereign God to work in and through us in a way that can affect change in the hearts and lives, not of our government, not of our politicians, of people. Because that's what's really going to last, right? I mean, the, the souls of men and women. Um, and so, you know, I think this, this is a convicting psalm, but it's also a very encouraging psalm. You know, I mean, we can, we can look at things like politics and things like that, and we look through the lens of the sovereignty of God. It paints a whole different picture. You know, just a couple, about a week ago, November 12th, that's when my, my sister passed away three years ago. And the day I was kind of remembering, I thought, here's when I got that call, and, you know, and I remember, and it's, it's, not, it's not based on anything other than the sovereignty of God. I remember my wife telling me when my sister was still alive, wow, you're just going to, you're going to lose it. When your sister passes away, you, I don't know what you're going to do. You know, she's like a mom to you. And I, I, don't, I don't think I'll react that way, but I understand what you're saying. You know, And the time came, and I didn't react that way. I didn't lose it. I didn't you know, freak out. I, didn't, I thought, okay, you know what? It is what it is. You have life. You have death. It's all under his purview. It's all under his control. It's not up to me. If I was there, I couldn't have prevented anything from happening. It's appointed on a man once to die, then the judgment. So it is what it is. And when you, you look at life through that lens, guess what? All of a sudden, you know, when Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Right. There, you know what? I really don't have any control here. What am I worrying about? I'm not going to change anything. Nothing's going to change me because I'm worrying about something. Well, you don't understand. I went to the doctor and I got to... Yeah. Does it concern you? Definitely. Does it touch the, the edges of worry? Yes. Because frankly, none of us like to suffer. None of us like to, oh, I've got to go through an operation. I've got to do something. We don't want to do that. But you know what? When you, when you put that under the, the um, bigger umbrella of God's sovereignty, you settle in a place that you're comfortable with it. And you've all been there. You all know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and it's, it's a message that people need to hear today. Because everything is so wacky and so upside down and so chaotic it looks like we're living in a world that is out of control and it may be but guess what it's under the purview of god he sees the whole thing he sees who's going to get elected next as president he he sees all this already it's already done he he's the one that establishes that puts those people into reign over us so it, it should change, I guess what I'm saying is it should change the way that we approach our Christian walk, our Christian life, even the way we approach life within the church. Because God already sees everything. And he's over all. And we need to be going to him rather than just our own mind, our own counsel, and trying to figure out what we want to do. No, we should be always constantly praying about what God wants to do through us, right? To establish his purpose, his plan, we should be focused on what pleases God, 
not necessarily what what pleases us because if if we're if we're concerned about anything other than what pleases God if we're just trying to please men okay we're definitely not going to please God the only way that we can live an effective Christian life is if we're striving to please God then you know what it doesn't really matter whether these other people are pleased or not you know and and that's why I mean sometimes when you're teaching the word of God it's especially when you go through books of the Bible and you can't really pick and choose what verse you want to teach and what you don't, you come to some very difficult passages, right? Not only for the congregation, but for yourself. And you don't feel confident to teach on that verse, but it's there and you know it's true, so you have to teach it. And, and sometimes, you know, people will comment, well, wow, that must have been a really hard message to bring. Not really, because it is what it is. It's not my message, right? It's God telling this to us. And so, and if it, if it applies, then, hey, praise the Lord, you know. Um, so th- that's kind of what I wanted to focus on this morning. Hopefully that, that helps us in perspective of just, you know, kind of some of the things that are going on. But let me close in prayer, and then we have a little discussion about this and, and, and pray as well. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you are a sovereign God, that you do rule and reign, and you always have, and you always will over everything. You, you reign sovereignly. And Lord, yes, the ways kick back. People rebel against that. But Lord, your word says that, you know what, in the end, it's a sure revelation to us. That it is true. And that we can have confidence when we speak the word of God to people's hearts, even though they're not saved, that it will potentially affect change in their life. It will give them a new perspective on who God is. And Lord, when we look through this Christian worldview and the lens in which we view lives, when when trials come into our lives, when hardships, when, when pain and hurt, Lord, when we realize that you're sovereign and you would be perfectly capable of preventing that from entering our life, no matter what it may be, a death of a loved one, a, a trial a loved one is going through, whatever it might be. But Lord, you, you allow it. And so we need to rejoice in that, that God, we're seeing you carry out your purpose, your plan. And we need to be all about what pleases you, not just ourselves. And so, Lord, we pray that you would, um, we look forward to tomorrow even, but Thanksgiving next week, Lord, that you would arrange in our hearts the priorities that we should be thankful for. And, Father, that we would, as men, commit to to living lives that are uh, powerfully rich in your sovereignty. That we would not just react to circumstances in our lives, but that we would pause and say, okay, God, what's your purpose? Why is this happening to me right now? Help me to react in a way that is godly, that glorifies you, that honors you, because we know that that's what you desire from us. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.